News Hounds from Queen City Nerve is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. And here we are. This is the debut episode of Queen City Nerves News Hounds. And we are right here with the Queen City Podcast Network, right next to our Queen City Nerve offices. And I am Ryan Pitkin, Editor-in-Chief at Queen City Nerve, and I'm here with my co-host, publisher of Queen City Nerve, local mixologist expert for the podcast, Justin LaFrancois. What's Hello. up, Justin? So just for a little bit of a context here going in before we start our episode, this is going to be local news, not so local booze, but it's going to be a mix of the two. Uh, we're going to be mixing drinks and talking about local news topics every week. We got a couple guests here this uh, episode that I'm excited about, and I'll introduce in just a second. Um, but we'll be sort of matching up with the release of our paper every other week, releasing a podcast that goes a little bit more in-depth in the stories that we're writing about. Uh, Justin and I already just sort of sit in our office all day, every day, and talk shit back and forth about what's going on in the city. So we, we figured, figured why not? share it with you. Yeah, let's get in front of a mic and do it. Um, this week's cover story on issue 22 from Queen City Nerve was about Lake Arbor. Um, a lot of that's been in the news lately. There's been a lot of displacement there. July 30th, uh, 177 households were told that they would have to vacate by the end of the year at the latest, a lot of them much earlier than that. Um, and it's just sort of an ongoing trend of displacement in the city. Uh, I've reported in the past about Units at Twin Oaks that were going to get developed over and people were kicked out. Uh, Brittany Woods in Oakhurst neighborhood. Uh, so this just sort of seems to be a theme and, and pops up here and there. And we got a couple people here who have not only been working with Lake Arbor residents closely, but are sort of uh, experts, I could say, in the field. Although they both don't seem like that description already. <laughs> so let's just, let's just let them talk for themselves. Uh, we're here with April Lewis, who has been working in Lake Arbor for the last two years uh, with Blanche Penn and other organizers. Um, tell us a little bit about your story, April. Um, well, hello. Um, my story is um, I'm a regular person. I'm a, a individual that dealt and has experienced or spoken to many individuals that are actually experiencing displacement or, or some type of housing insecurity. Um, what simply happened, how I got involved was I generally had a coworker that showed me a video that pissed me off and I was like, oh, hell nah. Right. <laughs> and um, I really just asked like, well, who was already doing something in the community? Like who was already working? And that's where I found Miss Miss um, Blanche. Um, and I was unable to actually attend the first meeting because I was out of town in Wyoming. Um, but Jessica with Action NC, she was able to go in and listen to that first meeting. And it started from there of right. just hearing the stories, hearing the frustrations. And it was just like, this is not right <laughs> we at should, all. We should explain real quick that you're going to be here in the mixing of cocktails. That's all a part of News Hounds. I'm uh, making a ginger Manhattan right now. <laughs> we've got ginger Manhattans on the way. Um, so that's how April got involved. And we yep. also got Mr. Robert Dawkins here with Action NC and Safe Coalition. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people kn know about Robert. He makes himself heard on, on all sorts of issues around the city. But for those who don't know, uh, introduce yourself, Robert. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. And I can't wait to try that cocktail. Mm -hmm. but, for you. Uh, I'm the political director for Action NC. Uh, we work on a lot of issues that impact our community, whether it's um, police accountability, affordable housing, 
um, lots of different issues, immigration reform. And uh, as, April, it's, as April said, uh, Action and C's been involved mainly because of April. Mm -hmm. um, we were already doing affordable housing work, but when April heard about Lake Arbor, she took it on herself to go out with Miss Penn, mm -hmm. uh, start identifying uh, people, uh, started canvassing the doors, identifying the problems. And, you know, you've already said it. What April found is what uh, you've been reporting on for years mm -hmm. since before uh, Lake Arbor. This was the largest, I think, collection of apartments. Most of the other ones you mentioned were right. uh, 20 it was, units. It was like 20 units and Twin Oaks. I think there was 80 in Brittany Woods, and mm -hmm. now we got 177, which 300 units technically in the whole Lake Arbor, but by the time they finally decided everybody's got to go, there was only 177 left occupied. So I think there's two things we need to do. We need to work on quantitative and qualitative solutions to this. I mean, people can talk all day about uh, all of the different quantitative things, and what that does is it takes out the human element. Uh, April's been really good on putting a face to the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we made sure we brought people to city council so that they could see people Right. instead of just seeing numbers and we think that was the catalyst that got the city to be more involved this time than they were before and then of course having journalists like uh, you that, mm -hmm. that aren't the mainstream media but the alternative media that can spend time on it you know right. we get a lot of help from uh, the news channels we get a lot of help from the observer shout um, out to David Centendry was reporting on Lake Harbor a long time ago Definitely. brought it up for everybody yeah. mm -hmm. right. and you know you and David were people that uh, don't have to go by it seemed like the regular structure. I mean, David fought for it every day to right. make sure it was covered, and you have mm -hmm. the ability to stay on it, and we're thankful for that. But we've raised awareness. Now it's how do we move to policy and how do we keep this from happening again? Especially right. because news coverage ends. It right. does. It does. Really Ryan's been reporting on this for... What, two months, month and a half? About two months, yeah. Yeah, but eventually we're going to have to move on Definitely. to something else. We, yeah. we can't dedicate our time yep. to doing it all the time. Right. It's and where do we move forward from that initial news coverage to from when it stopped. And that's also on the uh, uh, policy side and the advocacy side. I mean, we try to come in, we try to do as much as we can, but we don't have the capacity to stay on it. Excuse me, forever. Right. And and so the work that April does, the work that Miss Penn does, and the work that Jessica does is so important because um, it draws the media back to it. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and shout important. out to, uh, to, to Blanche Penn. I believe I said her name earlier, but just in case I didn't, uh, that's who Robert's referring to with Miss Penn. And I got to meet her at an event for Lake Arbor residents and other residents at Southern Comfort Inn recently and meet her beautiful grandson. And... Um, it's good, good cocktail. I can't wow. wait. I can't wait. Everyone I spoke to, and I sort of wanted to approach and start reporting on this, pointed me to April and to Blanche Penn, and and it sounds like this Blanche was, was really the the person who sort of kicked this off when a family friend of hers had a sick infant, and that's yep. sort of the same story that got you into it, right? It really was. It was that same baby that right. I saw that found out, um, <clears throat> excuse me, had pneumonia, and then the reason why, it, it infuriated me. And like Robert is saying, you're, you all have identified that, yes, there's plenty of places that have actually happened. When I moved to Charlotte, I knew of several locations that um, were torn down, and all of a sudden, it's this beautiful building, and I always wondered where do those people go. It was right. just at that time, you know, I was one of those people that could have been in that situation. So I didn't have time to really invest into trying to figure out why things are the way they are. You know, now I am. And right. so 
Lake Arbor was my actual yay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's got a mojito now. Yes, that's, that's fine. Um, Lake Arbor was like my first really, really strong attempt of going in to rebuild a community. That's what I went in. I was upset that my community had even gotten this far and allowed anything like this to happen to them. And I wanted to know how it happened. And as right. I spoke with them and I got the stories of everyday situations that led them to need a second chance and they went here and because of or the lack of maintenance and respect for people paying rent because, you know, they paid something. It might not have been dollars, but right. they were paying to live and to to just be, you know, who they are, and you're living in conditions that I definitely know I would not live in, mm -hmm. ever. I, but if you don't feel like you're supported enough or your voice is going to go anywhere, then you're discouraged, too, as well. Right. And that's what I saw a lot of. And I think um, more heart of just rebuilding a hurting community went into it. And it just mm -hmm. happened. We have to attack policies. We have to attack city right. council. We have to go and, and fix it that way. But One it's thing a community. I, I've been curious about uh, while reporting on the story and, and stories like it, Brittany Woods was a similar situation where a lot of the people there are on month-to-month -month lease. Um, a lot of people there, were, or at least in uh, Lake Arbor, were given um, sort of a deals where they couldn't find other deals, whether it be because of credit scores or... Um, uh, criminal history, things like that. Um, so, like, sort of the thing I'm curious about is how do you prevent that without? I'm a big supporter and I mean, or believer that the, the new Jim Crow. I think we're all pretty familiar with the theory that I don't want to call it a theory, but uh, what Michelle Alexander sort of wrote in that book about a, uh, discrimination against people who have been in jail and criminal history and stuff like that. And and how do you sort of not how do you put an end to these sort of places that take advantage? You're offering help by giving them housing at the same time, then you're they're vulnerable to be taken advantage of. I don't That's why we're th providing education and knowledge so you're empowered so it won't happen again. Right. That's why it's coupled with teaching you what you have to do when these situations happen so there's no reason for it to occur again because now you know. You were once uneducated, so the goal is to educate those that were um, vulnerable and would have probably would not have even allowed the situation to happen if they knew how they could fight back. Right. So by teaching one, then we're actually preventing that right there because at the end of the day, it's still up to the individual to be able to do what they're supposed to do to be able to um, live comfortably. And they have responsibilities as tenants too as well to make sure they keep it on their own fit and habitable. So it's a joint um it's a joint effort to actually prevent this on the side of landlords and on the side of the people because we have to work together. It's, housing is too important when it comes to a, a community that has nothing but crime, murders, death, drugs. Like Housing is the root cause of it. If I have to right. struggle to find somewhere to live, I'm going to do what I need to do. Absolutely. You're not going to like it, but yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Absolutely. I had that conversation with actually our, uh, our neighbor here at the Queen City Nerve Office, uh, Christy Puckett-Williams, who is... Uh, with ACLU and doing a lot of community work, and she was telling me the same thing. There's a snack booth over there where you're supposed to pay for snacks at our co-working spot, and she goes, you know, if I'm hungry... On the honor system. Right. She goes, if I'm hungry, fuck the people who work here. I'm going to go grab all those all those chips, and that's yeah. just a metaphor for it. I mean, it, it really is what it is there. It's like, um, if you offer people at least whatever obstacle is challenging them to make them make those other choices. If you support them, at least give them um, a path. Again, we can't make them lead or go down that path, but if you offer it, mm -hmm. then you remove that that saying of, well, nobody told me. 
Right. You can't say that. Mm-hmm. The only thing is you probably haven't met the person to provide you the information, but that's why even me coming out here so hard is just making sure you cannot say no one told you. Right. And what are some of we we talked a little bit about before and in, in my reporting when we've discussed this with both of you guys, some of the solutions. Um, Robert, we were just discussing earlier this afternoon a little bit about container homes. This is this thing you brought up at a, at a panel discussion recently in West Charlotte. Uh, and as you admitted, you're not an expert just because you brought it up to the mayor to, to have her look more into it. So I'm not going to say. You figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, here's an idea. Can you do something with it? Yeah, exactly. So in the little bit that you have looked into that, what have you found uh, strengths and weaknesses of that? And, and what are some other ideas for solutions? Right. So with container homes, and again, I'm not an expert, but what I have seen is that if you look around to some of the larger cities where housing has become a a major issue, mm-hmm. the Seattle's, uh, the San Francisco's, then container homes is now a viable option. Um, it's something that we'd have to look at in Charlotte. And again, the main thing that I did was to say to the mayor that we can't take anything off the table. Right. April's really big on saying, uh, let's try something out of the box. If it fails, Absolutely. failing is still not as bad as not doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a few issues that you have to have with container homes. One is you'd have to find a place to put them. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I would like to see is churches and places that do have large parking lots that do have places to be open to the idea of having container homes. The second part then is how do you get the electricity? How do you get the right. uh, utility service? Secondly, you have third, you have to worry about the condition of the container. Some of them stored hazardous material, so it'd have to be cleaned. So that's not the only option, but it's something that when the mayor said she wasn't thinking about considering it, I just didn't want her to take it off the right. table. Uh, another issue that really is important, and I was just talking to a good friend of mine, Sam Spencer, that's been working in housing here for years. As we start to look at using things like a hotel tourism tax to build uh, uh, new stadiums and all, mm-hmm. we're always telling people that that's so important. Yeah, right. yeah. And again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault that because again, you know, before this, I was a waiter, bartender, mm-hmm. and um, those jobs do pay, and the stadiums do provide it. But there's a downside. We always tell people when we're building stadiums and we're building all of this that look. It's only on the back of people that are coming and touring because it's a hotel tourism tax. Actually... That's not to have. That's to try. Mm-hmm. Trying this mojito. There it is. <laughs> try it. It's a lavender mojito. Ooh, it's delicious. Ooh, that's good stuff. I don't have a lavender. You got lavender in oh, there. It's you delicious. Want yeah, it's delicious. <laughs> so we have to look at things that are burdens on the people that are the least among us. And when we build new stadiums, when we use the hotel tourism tax, people say, you know, it's taxing people to come in and stay in the hotels or rent cars. But it's also taxing a whole lot of people that are going to be out from Lake Arbor that's living in a motel. So now they're paying, the least among us are paying that hotel motel tax that was meant to go and pay, uh, be, a, be a burden on people that were using the services. Well, poor people that are living in the hotels are going to get taxed. Mm-hmm. I would like for the city to see how it can rewrite the hotel 
tourism tax to make sure that motels under a certain amount of money aren't included in the tax. Mm -hmm. I'd like to have that money reinvested into some other idea. And the good thing that you just said is we're not the expert, but you have a staff. Yeah. Take this money and figure out how to use it. It's called brainstorming. It's called right. brainstorming. <laughs> well, what, right. Now, what if with the hotels, they make it to where they can have um, a certain amount of units uh, or set aside for emergency situations or transitional housing to help house people? Could that be something? Think, yeah. I don't, and again, that, I'm not an expert, but hotels aren't. Uh, the division of the city there most of the time like if you're a Holiday Inn or you're all of those you're a national company and you're not bound by Charlotte's rules mm. as much as you're bound by uh, national and state standards so well I, unless it was like a I mean, wouldn't that fall under a zoning yeah, ordinance so maybe yeah. and again we run into these real issues on what's divided between state uh, federal and mm -hmm. city and when you were talking about like um you know, white supremacy and how it's how it's set up. It was set up to have so many different layers right. that can't it's impossible through. for you for you to break through. So you win something with Charlotte, and the General <clears throat> Assembly comes and says you didn't have the power to do that, or the state of North Carolina does something, and the federal court says you don't have the power to do that. Mm -hmm. I do understand that there has to be these different levels, but. People need to figure a way to sit at one table and figure out what's the best for people and how you can get around or circumvent it. We're going to have the same thing come back up again with the bathroom bill. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not done with that. No. Uh, so yeah. that's going to come back up. In, Just because we forgot about it yeah, for a yeah. little bit. The so I thought it was done. Uh, I really thought it was no, done. The so-called no, compromise that I always yeah. put in quotes. Yeah. And we're not done with police accountability. I mean, we'll bring that back up as soon as we can get a, Will we ever a, be? a, a general right. assembly that's not conservative-led. We're going to come back and revisit it. There should be enough public will to work on housing because Charlotte's greatness is tied to this housing. And I was here when the situation was reversed, and this has happened really quick. I moved to Charlotte in 1996 from Spartanburg, South Carolina, where housing stock is horrible. But Charlotte's housing stock was horrible. Mm -hmm. So people were complaining at that time the opposite point, that the housing stock was so bad that people were living in such horrible conditions that they wanted it fixed. Mm -hmm. The fix was to tear down and to build mixed income housing, which I give you is going to be a solution, but you never replace the amount of people that were living there originally at 30% AMI now that you made the mixed housing. Right. So from the mid-90s all the way up to now with the building, it keeps displacing so many people that those people now are either living in the few Lake Arbors that are left mm -hmm. or they're living in hotels, and the problem's only going to get worse. And Charlotte can strive to be... Yeah, San Francisco and a Seattle, but you don't want to strive to be them if you don't want to inherit those problems. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to wind up being a Cleveland or a Baltimore because you didn't fix the problem. So when you were saying earlier we're at this crucial point, we can either displace everybody except rich people mm -hmm. and be Seattle and San Francisco, or we can sit and let so many people be homeless and so many people be on the street that would become Cleveland and Baltimore. And I'll tell you, Cleveland and Baltimore are now on the, on the up end. They're, right. they're coming back. But they're coming back to smaller cities because they got rid of all the poor people. Right. I want to uh, I want to go back to that uh, container housing thing real quick because yeah. I saw when that first came up as an idea on Twitter. And I think that's a fantastic idea. I've watched plenty of TV shows, movies, reality things, mm -hmm. like documentaries, website. 
internet, whatever, people live in container homes all over the country. Mm -hmm. And then I saw people in Charlotte get on Twitter and be like, I'd never fucking live in one of those. That's right. ridiculous. Yeah. Turn yeah. your privilege down for a second. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would you rather just live under a fucking bridge or do you mm -hmm. want some walls? Like you can, you can cut windows out. You can cut doors out. They can be renovated to turn into I've something. I've seen pretty nice ones, actually. I've seen really like, cool ones. They've been pretty nice. And, yeah. But when it comes to just trying to find any type of solution, I hear more people that's that, you know, turn down the solutions cool that's business. offered but don't provide another solution that's to replace cool. it. Like, yeah. it's easy to say, oh, that won't work, but you're not going to step up and say what possibly could work that's or what's work. wrong with this situation nice. so we can make it work. It's about housing people. It's not about what you think is, is aesthetically pleasing to your neighborhood. I mean, oh, at, right. come on now. Like, anything. that's freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Not in my backyard. You can cut your grass. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've seen and heard so many times of people living in neighborhoods that are, you know, they're they're barely making ends meet, and then their homeowners association is going to fine them five hundred dollars for not cutting their grass. Yeah. Because the fuck what somebody's yeah. house looks like. I mean, it's theirs. That's the reason That's, why you buy a house. So you, it's, here's yeah, it's your I, house. Here's the one thing I do want to caution: everything has to come with the proper setup. Mm -hmm. The hotels mm -hmm. that people are living in in now didn't look the way that they lived until people decided to live in it and it became that. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So a person in Asheville that builds a, a tiny home, builds a container home on his own land sitting there for him mm -hmm. is not going to be the same thing as putting 20 homes, 20 uh, 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 container homes for people from Lake Arbor or poor neighborhoods. But it's not, it's not. Really good but, 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 but here's my point, because it's the same thing as a project. Yeah. If you just take poor people and you can put them in a building, you can put them in a container. Mm -hmm. If you don't fix the other problems, right. then it's that container in less than a year's time is going to be tore up, graffitied up. And you've got to make sure that the people that's developing and doing the containers aren't just putting you a container out there. That's if it. you just put a container out there and it's 100 in Charlotte and you haven't done that container right, it's 185 in that container. And now what have you done? Right. So and I think you've got to think those things out too. Right. But adding in, I was just going to actually just um, add to what you were saying when it comes to putting somebody in that situation. Of course, it would come first as a temporary situation, only a stepping stone to get you to your next situation, whatever that may be. That's but what we, we said about the motels. But and with the motels, but then if we look at it, like if I take the idea of Southern Comfort Inn, that's a hotel that's willing to be an outreach center that already has clothes, does Bible study, but it's totally set up so that way it's no, they know that they have people living there. So they're trying to make it as comfortable as possible. But what if we have certain hotels that are, I guess, locally owned, they would have to be here, compel them because I get their feelings involved, right? right? And actually put some incentive in place for them if they say, yes, we can actually be a community outreach center, house somebody. Though I don't know what the ordinance, I don't know the zoning, but what would that look like, especially since I already have one now that's willing to be that? Well, let's figure out how can we make this work? How would we make it work? We have something, we know that everybody that li uh, that is in that hotel lives there. Mm -hmm. So it's already a transitional housing. They want to get out of that situation. And so the idea is to bring them everything that is needed to help them reduce their obstacles or hurdles to be able to do better so that way they are out of there, right? So that's one situation. Then maybe partnering with, um, like the Lake Arbor, if that is a situation, we still have to have a place to house people. So if we're looking at rebuilding the community, stepping outside of all these policies, policies don't work actually looking at the community, but that's focusing on the community, folk making them actually step up more to say, if I want this, and it's brought in probably by like a grassroots organization to fix whatever is needed, 
Hence, um, with Lake Arbor, we fix it up. Like that's what I'm saying. Renovate it to fix it up. Community renovated. Forget the the city money. Forget all of that. We figure out how we can do it. That alone, partnered with a hotel transition to housing, I know something can actually bump out of that to make it where we can at least house people to fix yeah, this the, once we move yeah, on from Lake for Arbor. Us on the, for us on the policy and the advocacy side, it's, I'd hate also to make that nonprofit that went well be the one that now has got to get my wrath. <laughs> because now if you bought it, the city said you shouldn't live there. Mm-hmm. It's in that bad of shape. Mm-hmm. Good-meaning nonprofit goes and pays the guy that didn't fix it a profit. Mm-hmm. Right. For being a slumlord, and now you spent two million of your money to buy it. I'm still the next week gonna say those people are living in bad conditions. You best to have this fixed. So now the good meaning people, and this happens in the past. I meant well as a nonprofit and or a church. So the church has to go and leverage everything it has to buy it from the landlord. Two million dollars. So now they got it. it takes a million dollars to fix it. Me as an advocacy group, I don't care that you were a well-meaning church. That's I only that. if you don't house them first. So if we continue to allow what happened, make sure everybody has a home to move into, just somewhere comfortable that they can move into, right? We still continue on that path. But then once everyone is out, it's not going to the owner because he has to finish out everything, whatever he has to pay. Oh, no, the owner's done. Right. So yeah. at he's that out, point. He's back in New York. He's so, gone. He made his profit so, and left. Oh, so at that point then, if it, everyone's out and they're housed, not just out, but they're housed, then having an organization come in to purchase that property, then having the community pour in all of their support to actually fix it up so that way it cuts all type of budgets with labor. We just have to worry about material costs out there. Then we can still continue to focus on rebuilding the community of saying, yes, now we can house you, and then make it accessible to partner with Parks and Rec to say, hey, since Rex Tuck Signer is right there, we can offer every bit of social services that you, you guys need and have it easily accessible to you right there. There is no reason to really just allow another developer to come in and take over and just raise the rents in that area when I want the community to step up outside of that. One, you got to get the developer. I don't see why would, I mean, just to be honest, Mm -hmm. why would the developer sell it to a nonprofit? I mean, what would be his reason for selling it? Uh, I mean, being a decent human being. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> We've already seen that now. But, but yeah, if, if he was going to be a decent human being, you would have fixed it up. Right. Yeah, I mean, if a, if a nonprofit can pay you $2 million, and you know mm-hmm. I can hold this land for another year, and I can get $8 million mm-hmm. as a business, he's not going to do it. Of course not. And I then the a- other problem's going to be people mean well. And we've had to turn on well-meaning people because people are still suffering. So you get out. Now, now you owe the bank. Because no church and no business is going to give you all the $2 million. They're going to go to the bank. Mm-hmm. And the bank's going to look at the property and say, okay, you bought it for $2 million. We can't give you any more money to fix it because the property's not worth it. So now you need to figure out where you're going to come up with that other million to fix it. Other nonprofits. Well, we Skilled st- at schools, construction schools, good with services. Oh, I, I just try, to live, to, work. I try yeah. to live in the real world. And if we still haven't gotten the 300000 which the United Way's tried to raise now for the past five months. And that was just the first half <laughs> of the folks. That yeah, they, I, yeah, I don't like putting people's feelings and selling people on pipe dreams because this is how the world should be. Because this is how the world is. I, would, I grew up in the projects of Spartanburg, South Carolina, and the reason I was out of Toe Park was because they hit it with a bulldozer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is the this is the. But what I've had a hard time with, and I don't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Um, um, we can get back to that for sure. I just wanted to, when we were at that affordable housing uh, mm-hmm. discussion, 
both Justin Harlow and, and Mayor Lyles, who I'm not. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, they you both. They're sort of their their sort of response to this whole Lake Harbor situation was to throw their arms up and say, "We can't, we can't do anything about it. We don't even know who these people are." This is just a situation like how is that legal? Like are, yeah. how is this? How are the? How is he still able to sell that property? How is he not so legally they, forced yeah. out and said you so broke I all never, these laws? So I never tried to correct uh, like the mayor or those, but we know who it is. We know right? Yeah, that's what, Robert Wolf, and right. we know mm-hmm. who it is. But I will tell you, you got bigger issues on this usually. So what people do is landlords don't disclose themselves. The management company discloses themselves and that's who you get but the land the management company says I'm managing it right. and you say well I want to hold a landlord who's a, I want to hold the owner accountable who's the owner well I don't have to tell you who the owner is mm-hmm. and that's been the big thing you may remember this was probably before you moved to Charlotte Brown and Glenn and Brown and Glenn's gotten better over the years, but you would go after Brown and Glenn for. Why are you trying companies. me? I moved here thirty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you only thirty. But um, Brown and Glenn is a management company, mm-hmm. and the city would always try to get get Brown and Glenn to fix the properties. The Brown and Glenn's point was: we're contracted to collect the rent. We don't own the properties, and we don't have to reveal to you the name of the properties. And the city adjusted and tweaked the laws. And put enough pressure on Brown and Glenn that Brown and Glenn is better. Mm-hmm. They're not perfect. But that is still this system. This system right. is so set with different loopholes, ins and outs, that it's a full-time job for us that people will say, oh, you're doing reform. You're not doing liberation. Well, you can't get liberated until we find these holes to close the door. If I can't make it to where the police can't legally stand on the street and gun you down, you're never going to be able to protest. Right. And that's a full-time job trying to find these loopholes, close these loopholes, so that the liberation in the work can go. And I don't try to say things to people to demoralize them, but I also need people to be realistic when they're dealing with poor people that are on their last leg. And we haven't really spent time talking about this yet, but that's what I saw on the bureaucratic side for the people in Lake Arbor. They made the process so cumbersome and so hard that the average person would just give up before Mm -hmm. they even knew what they qualified for, how to get Oh, the process with True Community Link. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. I'm still getting calls about that and what's not happening. I have several residents that actually have places to move to, but now they can't get a Community Link on the phone to be able to get the funds to move forward. So it's like, yeah, you're stacking up the deck on them. They're trying to move out, but now you're making it difficult. And then that's still coming up where I want the community to be upset about how this is actually going down. Like, they are trying to move. They're right. trying to actually better themselves. They are sick and tired of Lake Arbor. And now the people that have access to the money are making it even more difficult. And these are hardworking folks. These hardworking. Are not, these are not, um, you know, the typical uh, rich snob way to look yeah. at it. For but some also, folks, is oh, these are just folks yeah. who aren't working and they're on disability. They or this and that. Some yeah. of them are on disability, but a lot of 90 whatever percent of these people are hardworking folks who might have two jobs, three jobs. They don't have time to so make their way up. So Ryan, 109 is, hours a week. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Ryan, so Ryan, this is the this is the system, and I think sometimes that people will say. For one, the people at the community leaks, the men's shelters, all that, they're not your friend. Mm-hmm. They're they, not. They deal with this every day, just like a doctor. So you right. don't go in a doctor, the doctor says, I got cancer, I'm going to cry with job. you. No, I'm going to cry with you, yeah. But what people don't get is they didn't make the system. 
Mm-hmm. So Community Link can't just hand you the money. Right. This is HUD guidelines. Mm-hmm. So to get the money, they have to go by HUD guidelines. To release the money, they got to go by HUD guidelines. There's no way possible to make the system move faster. The problem is that the system itself shouldn't be set like this. Mm-hmm. So when people go and they're mad at Community Link or they're mad at Men's Shelter or they're mad at Crisis, you weren't mad at them when you went and got $75 to pay your real bit if from them. If they got it. That right. is, now, if they, they got, got it, it, because of still, but even still, now that's part of where I even come in at. Now, it's not always guaranteed that you're going to no. get some type of funding. So you, if you have individuals and being a witness of this one, knowing that you have people that are not doing what is actually needed to be able to cover their expenses, are being chosen over those that are actually working, doing the best that they can, and they may get $75 or they may get told that they have to go through three or four other agencies in order to get um, assistance and they're actually working so now we're dealing with a system like you said that was already set up not to help but in this situation with Lake Arbor, when it comes to that United Way money, they should not have to go through all of those hoops. But that was money. To, but that, they have to. I mean, there's there's no way that the United Way can say because the United Way collects money for everybody else. Then we should have did a community fundraiser, so that way it would have yeah. been taken out of the hands of that okay. one. So that but, way, but at this your, point, they don't have your, to. But there's your other. The United Way is going to get more money because of the United Way's name and the fact that they can call people to get the money. Nobody said that you couldn't do a community. True. Fundraiser. So the point is people have to, one, understand the process, mm-hmm. and two, we have to work on trying to make the process simpler. Right. You know, we fight every year. So like with uh, crisis assistance, no, it can't give up. Every week they've got about 200000 mm-hmm. to give out, and they have to decide who they're going to give it to. Mm-hmm. So if you came last month, I can't give you none this month. If you made If you made $600 check and this person made $100, I got to give it to them. Because it's not their money. Right. But at the same time, the system shouldn't be like that. No, I think we all agree on that. But the only way to get Mm -hmm. it is I can't make this be a socialistic country. I I wish I could. I wish I could (laughs) snap my finger and everybody here pays 40% of their income. And the government takes that 40% of the income and it makes sure nobody starves. Right. But... That's a whole other road. That's a, that's a whole other podcast. Whole even even I pump my brakes on that one. I know I'm pushing that. <laughs> well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to wrap up the Lake Arbor conversation and take a little break to hear from Queen City Podcast Network. Queen um, City. But yeah, I absolutely uh, appreciate you guys letting us know uh, your non-expert experts. Uh, takes I appreciate on this. the content. But let's this hear let's hear from Queen City Podcast Network, and then we're gonna talk about a little bit of other uh, news roundup. We'll be back. How long do runners need to stretch before hitting the road? This is a 60-second training tip powered by OrthoCarolina. Stretching muscles while the body is at rest can lengthen muscles and help runners improve performance, reduce injuries, and recover from a tough run faster. But how long should a good stretch last? The simple answer is 30 seconds. This allows your cold muscles to relax and be ready for work. Taking the time to stretch properly is critical, especially if you're coming back from an injury. Something to note though, stretching a muscle group for longer than 30 seconds can actually decrease your speed and hurt your performance. In addition to a good pre-run stretch, spend some time after your run and stretch the same muscle groups for 30 seconds as well. This has been your 60-second training tip powered by OrthoCarolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. 
For more training tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. International Podcast Day is September 30th, and you can help spread the word. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved? It's pretty simple. Head over to internationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. Then use hashtag International Podcast Day to join the conversation. You can reach out and connect with other podcasters, listeners, and your favorite podcast hosts. Remember September 30th, International Podcast Day, a day-long celebration of the power of podcasts. All right, and we are back with fresh drinks. We're not going to make you listen to us make them this time. Um, and we have my co-host, Justin LaFrancois, in the building, Robert Dawkins. We're back. I'm back. April Lewis. Hi. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit, have a little bit of a fun talk about some, uh, well, we'll see if it gets fun if, or not. Um, have, some, have a talk about some topics here. I want to start uh, on some weekly news. Uh, this story that came out of East Charlotte, Northeast Charlotte, over on West Harris Boulevard, really got me in Justin's attention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was real good. So I just want to talk about this real quick. I want to read this report. Um, they are investigating a man for impersonating law enforcement, which is always scary because... <laughs> I got a sheriff's badge. Pull people... Uh, <laughs> I've got a plastic Listen, don't say that on the record. Yeah, what is <laughs> you? I asked the sheriff, and the one that I got from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, like, they said I wasn't impersonating. Oh, you just had oh, a... That's the wrong... <laughs> Yeah, listen to this report. This All right, is so fantastic. this happened 5.30 p.m. on September 20th. Uh, CMPD responded to a wreck on East WT Harris Boulevard. They found a man there directing traffic, assisting with traffic control, the report says, wearing a shirt with Federal Investigator printed on it and driving a dark blue Chevrolet Impala with blue and red LED lights. <laughs> when, officers, <laughs> when officers spoke with him, he identified himself as Christopher Jones. Chris Jones. <laughs> though first further investigation showed that he was actually Antoine Jones. Uh-oh, Antoine. Close enough. So the next day they went and raided his house to see what he was up to. And they found, which was right down the street, me and Justin were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, literally just like heard the police scanner. I was like, I'm going to go hit up this yeah. wreck and try to direct traffic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's it. That's and it. they found firearms, a Chevy, the, the Chevy Impala outfitted with the blue lights, sirens, and a mounted computer. He even mounted the computer like a <laughs> I cop. I wonder what he was looking up. <laughs> right. He's taking uh, on to his own hands. He had a technical vest, which they, re- they included a picture of in this report, FBI shirts, and other clothing, and a police radio. So this guy was. I feel he, like he's 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 the he's a vigilante that just didn't want to go through the bureaucracy of becoming a police officer, mm-hmm. or then having to start as a police officer and skipping up to the FBI. Because I mean, you go to the store, you're automatically an FBI agent. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. just need some blue and red lights. <laughs> I love the fact that he's just out there. He's doing the mundane traffic. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. they don't say they don't say that he had a firearm on him no. while he was directing traffic. So no. he was like, "Fucking oh these goodness. cars need to get around this wreck." Like, right. this I gotta go right. help. Yeah, that's, that's my, my okay. That's I'm, my gonna put, innovation. I'm gonna put my tack vest on. I'm gonna get out here. Like, <laughs> stop, you go. You stop, you go. Because like usually you hear about people impersonating law enforcement. They're like pulling over women yeah. late at yeah, night exactly. and yeah. doing yeah. weird shit. Yeah. This guy's just out it's there doing just, the mundane yeah, shit yeah, that yeah. you get paid overtime for. Well, we were talking about <laughs> earlier the balls on this guy. Yeah. The fucking cops show up. Yeah. And instead of him being like, all right, well, it looks like you guys got it under control. I'm going to head out. I'm Chris Jones with the FBI. Yeah, See right. ya. He sat there. He was like, I'm Chris Jones with the FBI. Yeah, run it. Yeah. Run it. So, yeah. so do y'all remember, this has been maybe 
seven, eight years ago. Do you remember when DMX drove his car out? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> the FBI DMX drove his what? car out on the airport runway. Yeah, he, he got all he high agent. and fucked up. And yeah, then when ooh. the police brought him over, they were like, what are you doing? He was like, yo, I'm an FBI agent, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, I didn't know anything about that. That man had but I, some stuff. I love this dude. I want to meet Chris Jones. I want to know how long he's going to jail for. Does anybody here know the sentence on impersonating a law enforcement I officer? I mean, this guy they was pretty into it. Yeah. They shouldn't be. I wish they, put, they didn't reports. put a picture of him in the report. No, though. that they would put be a picture that. of the gun, the tack vest, and his car. Well, Ryan, did, yeah. Ryan did mention something, though. It is good that we can laugh at this. Most of the time, most of the time, it's some yeah. crazy right. it's dude. It's really scary we'll, shit. We'll never downplay that, but we uh, will upplay the fuck out of the fact that this guy <laughs> yeah. was out. He was probably smoking a cigarette, just yeah. out in the driveway. He's got his police scanner on his phone. He's like, accident, traffic, 7,500 block. He's W.T. Harris, and he's like, shit, I can walk there. And it was 5.30 p.m., so it's rush hour. Oh, yes, I didn't even, oh, that's right. <laughs> that was his moment to shine. Yeah, he oh, was like, that's why it was important. To him it was important because he probably gets caught in that traffic all the time. Yeah. It's like you know, I wouldn't want to fucking deal with this. Uh, <laughs> well, he doesn't work regular hours as an FBI agent. Oh yeah, yeah. he knows what shift he's working. Not um, today. We're gonna get through this today. You know that confused the cop anyway. FBI agents never stopped to direct traffic. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, if I drove by and I saw a federal investigator on a guy's shirt and he's just t- waving me through, I'd say something's up. I want to know what went through CMPs. I w- I want to talk to the responding officer, the first one on the scene. Who went, who went, who are you? He's like, I'm Chris Jones with the FBI. And he said, oh, all right. He bought one of those, like, goofy they, federal body inspector, yeah. uh, female body inspector shirts and just started wearing it around. I, yeah. just, I, love, I love that the cops damn sure didn't take his fucking word for it. No, they were like, we're going to raid your house. <laughs> they ran him and raided his house. Why are you messing with me? All right. Chris so so right. What's, what's next? We'll talk a little bit about this uh, new story that... Queen City Nerve got the exclusive on this week. Uh, as far as we dished it, we dished it out. Uh, my favorite restaurant in Charlotte, Dish, is going to change hands. Um, Penny Craver, a local legend, used to run the Milestone. Then she founded Tremont Music Hall. She then she ran the Amos Charlotte South End. Music scene. And then uh, in 2002, she started Dish with her two co-owners, Maggie McGee. Uh, Stubbs and Lawrence Stubbs, and so, they are all going into retirement. Yeah, this so week. she's saying she's just done. Yeah, she, she didn't want to give it to family. nobody. Nobody took it nah. over from her. Oh yeah, she didn't want to give it to family. Does she have family? Right she's here? been shopping it around just to to people. She wants to make her money. She wants early retirement. Man, I will tell you, since our yeah, office is over in Midwood Cultural Center, mm-hmm. every time people come to town that we're going to do a meeting, we right. do it there because if you are a vegan vegetarian, the vegetables. Right. Off the chain. Oh, yeah. Man, the, the the fried green tomatoes. Oh, in the winter months, I'm fat as hell. So right. <laughs> the, the 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 uh, uh, chicken and dumplings. Mm-hmm. Whoever takes the country fried steak well, is it's, mine it's, uh, every time I go. It's it's uh, Lou. Yeah. It's, what, it's, was Daniel Lewis or Lewis Daniel? Donald Lewis. <laughs> uh, no, right. Lewis Donald. Danny. Lewis Donald. I'm gonna call him Wait the barbecue guy. Shit, but he. He's the one taking it over. He's from Sweetly's Barbecue in Belmont neighborhood. Which is cool. He's a local guy. He said on record to He's the fucking agenda. The he wants to keep it the same. If he changes the tablecloths, I'm going to be pissed. I love those tablecloths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did say that he's going to redo the bar. 
but he wants to keep all the food the same. He Good. wants to turn the the front counter into a pastry counter that you come get pies and shit from. Okay, okay. But my turkey what, and gravy too. So he wants right. to keep the menu the same, but he wants to focus more on local ingredients and like upping the quality of the food. My okay. problem with that is, Price. I love going to yeah. Dish. I can oh, get the veggie right. pita yep. with a side and a beer. I can spend twelve dollars. It's a cheap date spot. I'm now not, it's going to be twelve dollars just for that entree. Yeah. I'll take a date there and spend under thirty bucks. Because because hey, Sweet Lou's barbecue is fucking delicious. I know you always try and go there on Mondays when they're closed. I want Turkey <laughs> Tuesday. And but, it's, but you're not spending less than it's twelve bucks. Yeah. I don't like having to shout out people, but in the same area, I'm gonna tell you. I hope it doesn't happen to. You remember Mama's Caribbean? Oh yeah. yeah. Mm. I would go in Mama's Caribbean. I would get lunch for six bucks. Right. Mama it's retired. so hard to find a cheap lunch anymore. Mama retired. Yeah. New people expensive. bought it. Yeah, it's pretty expensive over there. It's like 12, 13 bucks. Yeah. And they changed the menu to add more upscale-ish type Jamaican we stuff. We need uh, less upscale shit. I went to Sammy's Deli for the first time today. Yeah. Sammy's good. I mean, I still, I got a lunch special though with a drink and it was still eleven fifty or something. It wasn't? It's was just like, man. Well, but so, it was really good. I don't want to hate. But but what was Penny saying to you? She was saying about the changing landscape of Plaza Midwood. Right. She was. She's just really uh, dis. What's the word? Distraught. This might be a little bit much. Worried. Worried about the future of Plaza Midwood. We just seen Dairy Queen's going to close it's down. They grow just on uh, top of itself. They just sold the uh, that huge parking lot that a houses 12, a bunch of different businesses. Twelve, 12 acres. Lot, yeah. I don't know if this so is she, a secret, but we're we're after this year us. All of the nonprofits and mm-hmm. Plaza Midwood, the cultural center. Mm-hmm. You know, we're after that. Uh, they're going to decide whether Uh-oh. they're going to sell Plaza Midwood Center also. Oh damn! Ooh. Yeah, we got so, the yeah, letters, she, and we already had a meeting about closing that building down. She used a great metaphor that I thought was uh, was on point, where she said Plaza Midwood is sort of like a garden that's growing too many things close together to the point where they're strangling each other, and nothing can grow yeah. past that. And she's afraid that that's where it's going to get to. And I thought that was a Definitely a beautiful metaphor to explain it. Um, right. And yeah, I hate that for nonprofits. Baha'i Lu Academy had to leave. Yes. Noda. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Saw that. I actually wrote about it. Yeah. Uh, the fact that it was almost going to just have to happen. Well, Ryan, you remember Noda was Evening Muse. Mm-hmm. It was a few other places, mm-hmm. but it wasn't much. And most of us could go to There's just Noda that intersection. And, yeah. I moved there 10 years ago. And you can and hang it, out. Was it was a cheaper. lot different even then. And it was already gentrifying at that point. And that was. So much different than it is now, 10 years later. I honestly do not know how most of us in Charlotte that make under 60 grand a year are going to be able to stay. I got, I got very lucky that I'm not priced out yet. I got a yeah. great landlord. Raises my rent $100 every two I years. Not I'm knocking on wood. <laughs> I just signed a new lease. I mean, we talk about it. He just said, because I've been such a good tenant for eight years. That it's just not worth the hassle. You he can charge me double like, what he's charging. Well, I'm gonna got... fucking cancel you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna write an article. About oh no, no, no I was gonna say boy. y'all got a few hundred thousand people. Right. So yeah, well, he, he doesn't want his name. He uh, also rents to who's the photographer? Alex Kaysen. Yeah. And he told me that I was like, you're just collecting media folks, aren't you? As your uh, as your tenants, smart guy. Nothing wrong with it. Well, Wait, that's not that's stupid. We can't afford that. No, I know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can't up the price. I can't afford shit. Thank so, yeah, you, I'm thank looking... you to um, uh, Dish. Absolutely. Thank you to Penny Craver. She's moving down to, to the now. beach. She's been quite a staple. Do you of like Charlotte eating at Dish April? Twenty no. years. 
I'm thinking you Dish never Network been? TV. That's what no, I'm No, you got to go. <laughs> Dish no, Network. Well, listen, this is coming out Friday, tomorrow. Um, and she is leaving. The Saturday. last day she's serving food is Saturday. Go Closing tomorrow. Okay, Get I'm going to go tomorrow. Where tomorrow is Saturday. Where is it? It is it's impossible. You know where Thomas I'm going to walk you there from the office tomorrow. We're getting That's those, how close it is? We're so getting close. fried green yeah. tomatoes tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. I'll All right. tell you what. Shout we're out. I've it's been right next door to the dish tomorrow. Let's I'm, cheers. Let's cheers, cheers to Penny. To cheers to everything Penny. she's done. That I'm going to experience for the first and last time yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so well, no, much, Penny. Lou's keeping it alive, and hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully it'll stay the same. Yeah, he better not change the name. No, I don't think he would. Lou do that. better salt those those fried green right. tomatoes <laughs> exactly the same. <laughs> I'm telling you what, Lou. All right, um, so now we want to move on to the art sales oh, tax. Yeah, this is not necessarily this week's news or. It's coming new, week, but I feel like it's it fading is something, off into the distance a little bit. It's something it that's going to be coming up in November, and it's something yeah. I know Robert is, is passionate about. Yeah. So well, this we're helps me because you know I just recently was appointed to the Arts and Science Council. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I yeah. really yeah. just yeah. recently yeah. just got that appointed recommendation by Lawana Mayfield. I tell oh. hell no, we won't go. And, I mean, I, I need to know because this is the information. So, so for me, and I'm not. Well, let's let's really just yeah. quickly run by what it is. Okay. Um, yeah. It's going to be a quarter cent sales tax added here in Mecklenburg County. Um, that is it's estimated to bring in $50 million, 45% of which uh, is going to go to arts. 40, yes. I thought it was 49. Well, when you say arts, 45. are they defining what and how? They the did not go. define. There well, that's, that's, that's what we're getting to. They're in line. That's all they said. That's all they said. $23 million is going to art. Right. The rest, all is, said, the rest is being what? split between education, parks and rec, and then arts in different uh, townships like Mint Hill. Yes. Okay. Um, so then the so issue here is who's going of to... <laughs> yeah, the big debate here is who's going... Well, not the big debate, but one issue has been who is going to govern that money and decide yeah, where, it where it goes. Where it's going. Yes. And ASC wants to, um, and they want to reorganize their entire structure of how they already operate... In order to just do that, yeah, now, okay. and where, use that, where the nonprofit turns into a, a, a city entity, kind of, I guess, quasi, where, yeah, quasi. Where the I love people, the word, where the people the, who are on the board for the ASC are picking where that money goes, yes. not strictly to their things but like the, so them funding themselves goes away altogether and they just take the funding from the sales tax to disperse it to so the i do arts. know hmm. from from looking at twitter and who follows both of you and who follows queen city nerve that i know a lot of the younger county uh county commissioners follow you mm -hmm. and i've said this so i'll say it on the record i'm not in favor of anything that borders on being a retro tax Mm -hmm. And this borders on being a retro tax because unlike the hotel restaurant tourism, with the exception of the fact that poor people are living in the hotel and I want that fixed, yeah, this is saying everybody for everything that you buy need to pay this sales tax. So if you are poor and it, you spend more of your money on food, clothing, mm -hmm. all of that. It's up in that the, immediately. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's putting the burden on them to fund arts. Right. And arts and science. I concerts. absolutely, I, I agree to a certain extent, but I just, I did read a research where it was like, even if you pay more than I pay in groceries every single week, 
the amount that you're paying like per year is like an extra 75 to 100 bucks or something that's throughout the whole year that's which is not I mean, what, yeah. absolutely and listen like i'm yeah. i can i'm below the poverty level <laughs> i don't take a salary yeah. even for what I we're doing here the poverty level is right? so here's I my don't point. either it's just so, love so here's my point. Yeah. It's one of the one of the main <laughs> reasons one of the main reasons that we at the time supported uh the hotel tourism tax is because it's a usury tax mm-hmm. as opposed to putting a tax on everybody. And I like the arts. I right. hope the arts flourish. But the arts don't need $20 million a year for perpetuity right, from right, my yeah. money as when you could take No, I that. agree, yeah. If, 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 if they said, and I got it, it's going to songs, going to the schools. I would rather That's them I say. Yeah. I would rather them say it's all going to the schools, and I got a problem with the with the lottery because you know we've had issues that right. all of yeah. it didn't go. I never yeah. understood the lottery, but yeah, but, I don't understand. But I would. You I just would, pick numbers. Education. Not that I can win it. <laughs> I would if if the county had said we're going to put this on everybody to pay for affordable housing, right? Or we're going to pay because. Donald Trump's an asshole and he shits everybody out of their money. I'd give twenty dollars. Uh, so a day we're for going that to one. do this to go to compensate for social service problems. Yeah, why not I use that towards you. what April was talking about with transitional housing, buying yes. land yes. and space like Lake yes. Arbor and fixing yes. it up. Well, yeah. regardless, we're gonna get we're gonna get pushback from either way that it goes. If it yes. goes if it goes to art, there are gonna be people that say we shouldn't have to pay for art if we don't want to. That should come right. from different funding. If it goes to affordable housing, there's gonna be people out there that say we shouldn't have to pay for affordable housing. That should be on federal state whatever city right. yeah but like the one thing that's been talked about a lot is the independent artists that feel like they're not going to get anything out of it because with asc being the ones choosing where it goes they tend to favor bigger institutions because that's just how it works does uh does blumenthal need another 11 million dollars no, I don't think... And I don't know if that's how it goes. Right. I don't fucking know anything well, about I think that. A, I think you're they're all for, Apparently, they're their for big profit, thing now is that's going to be a part of their restructuring is giving to more vulnerable populations yeah. and underserved communities. And I actually was just listening to a podcast recently with um, Dr. Uh, what's Cornell West. And he... This is something I've always believed in, but I've never been able to express in the beautiful way that he did about why arts is so important as far as fighting white supremacy because... When it comes to someone like uh, I don't know Jimi Hendrix or I'm trying to think of someone back in during the civil rights unit, uh, movement where you have all these corporate structures where bl- black people could not or any underserved or un, um, what discriminated against population could not break through these ceilings and then it took the arts to where talent broke through. Of course, you're always going to have the Elvises who are going to make more money by mocking or by doing what they do mocking culture, and you're always going to have the big business people who take advantage of them maybe as managers or this and that. But just in general, the arts, music, stuff like that has always been a place where people can write, can just do what they do because they're talented and reach a, a breakthrough ceiling. I guess. No, but Ryan, don't you think there is also like, this is for perpetuity. Right, no, yeah, I'm, not, is, I'm not yeah, saying that yeah, that's, this is, this I'm not is, pitching this for this to happen. You know, if Charlotte gave $25 million to the arts over the next 10 years for $250 because, again... We're not talking about bricks and mortar. We're talking about just programming. Right. Yeah, that's if it. If you programs. did that, for, 
they're going to do this for eternity. Right, and they have all the power. That's yeah. no, I, I got. I had somebody actually to bring this point, and this is just a perspective. I'm just not sure of you know how much it was, but um, it was told to me that um, some of the issue is that we go into a neighborhood, maybe a low income neighborhood, put all these artsy programs into it, and then that neighborhood is then a target for gentrification right. because That's it's a big point. Yeah, because beautification is the hard. Arts are the harbinger of when I got gentrification. Starts gentrification yeah. because B comes before G. When, right. I got, <laughs> when, I, when I got to Charlotte, the first part when I got to Charlotte, LGBTQ community took over like Noda. They like mm-hmm. felt comfortable there, and yeah. they started building Noda. And then arts community and all of that followed the LGBTQ community in the Noda. Now, LGBT community don't live in Noda. Or the, arts, the community. arts community don't live yeah. in Noda. Now I live in Noda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now yeah. it's... Uh, I drink in Noda. There you go. So I do now, hang out in Noda. So now it's Camp West End. So the arts North community... End, North End. North End. Yeah. So now, now the art communities in North End, they pump it up. Druid Hills is about to get... Yeah, make yeah, it fancy. Mm-hmm. But, my, but our point is... Then they push the arts totally out. Yep. And but see, so and they and they're building that area, Camp North, the Druid Hills area, off of African American culture because yeah. Camp North End mm-hmm. is super inclusive yep. of that culture. They just yeah. did their vibe called Fresh. And then uh, I just wonder last how weekend, long that'll last, which was awesome. And they've got yeah. Dup and Swat, Black yeah. Black Market, uh, all that stuff, where it's so inclusive for American African American culture, to where. Eventually, all the white people are going to be like, I want to get in on that. That looks cool. They probably came into Druid Hills. I remember that. That's something. That's an area that I actually lived in that actually has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, my duplex that I lived in was knocked down, and now it's this big old grand house that's right there on the corner. Mm -hmm. And again, that's something you're saying that the Arts and Science Council came in on. Well... I'm, I'm interested oh, yeah, to see right. how we this were talking community about goes. Taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll reel it back in. I'll reel it back in. Don't worry, I got us in there. But I do understand that, and I do see the changes coming in Drew Hill, and I do see that it's on the name of that um, Arts and Science Council. So it's just things that help me, so that way I can be effective in my new position. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's hey, you can't please everybody. You can. Right. Who can? Well, I it, never thought I would see this. Sitting where we're sitting. Oh, absolutely! Around. I think about that all the time when I drive through Belmont. Oh yeah, <laughs> like there are people who wouldn't, white people wouldn't walk through this neighborhood two years ago. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, and now it's like you got Sweet Lou's, and that's another reason that I love Lou's because he hires people from the neighborhood to work yeah, at Sweet Lou's. Yeah, that's Luz. just who it is. Yeah, but see, Ryan, uh, yeah. whoever was that's running the corner, right. you, because yeah. you yeah. you're creating like they're just saying, no, <laughs> Ryan can go through. Ryan can go through. Ryan, 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 get a pass. Good on Anybody any. else roll through here? Boop. <laughs> well, I think uh, before we wrap this up, yeah, Justin, before we Justin wrap wants this to up, pay yeah. his respects yeah. to I a special friend of I think we should all take a moment of silence of for Yapani, the grizzly bear that died at the North Carolina Zoo. Oh. He, uh, he lived, he was 25 years old. Male grizzly bears only mm. live for an average of 10 to 12 so years cute. in the wild. Dang. From 400 to 700 pounds. He was a 400-pound grizzly bear. He came from the Seattle Zoo. Uh, he was a troublemaking bear in Yosemite. He had, <laughs> he, had, he had a past. He would take coolers and backpacks from campers, and he would eat their stuff. A regular Yogi Bear, but they took and nobody put him down. Bear they took shit. Him in. Yeah, they bear shit. You know, we all oh, do he bear didn't shit. Oh, they put him down. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying nobody put him down oh, when okay, he was being gotcha, a nuisance. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. They put him in one zoo, brought him here. Gotcha. They brought him here in 1994. I just want to make sure they didn't make him walk the green mile. You know what he fucking died oh, he of? Moved here a year before me. Yeah, you know what he died of. 
of? Huh. So, take a guess. You first, April. Oh. Loneliness? Oh, April. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what do you think you died of? Uh, num- I'm not going to say pneumonia because it's hot out. Do bears get pneumonia? Uh, Does it matter if it's hot? He, he got didn't sick. have a mate. Right? Was he sick? You already said lonely. Oh, okay, okay. Make sure. <laughs> what do you think he died of? Just old age. A slipped disc. Oh, <laughs> wow. It is called is intervertebral disc disease. He died of a slipped disc. Wow. Oh 25 year old grizzly bear. Damn, I have pounds. scoliosis. Can that happen to me? That must be why he never came out. When well, I, man, if, I mean, I guess, I guess if you're 400 pounds and you have a slipped disc, that's probably. Well, I'm yeah, not a bear. Like, <laughs> so I'll tell you, that's worrisome because I'm not a bear and I'm and I'm right at 200. <laughs> All right. Um, well, this has been fun. Rest Debut episode. Party. We appreciate everyone tuning in and, and keep uh, keep listening to us. We'll see you in and two weeks. I want to thank Robert Dawkins. Thank you. And I want to thank April Lewis. Yeah, thank you thank both. You. Appreciate y'all coming Shout in. Shout out keep... to QC Podcast. And yep, I love this. Yes. This was so much fun. Thank you for It was a very me. important conversation that we had with you guys Absolutely. about keep, Lake Arbor. Yeah. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep and then, uh, we'll be back in two Best weeks. Best man right, I ever you. had, bro. Cheers. 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 Yeah, oh, yeah, we're drinking good drinks. Yes. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next uh, two weeks. Peace.